This is Isabel and San Dimas, Conversations with Neighbors. This is a podcast to spark conversations among neighbors about happenings in and around San Dimas. I am Isabel in San Dimas, and I'm happy to be one of your neighbors. In this episode, I am going to be talking about the recent Black Lives Matter movement and in particular how it has played out in San Dimas and how it affects residents here in San Dimas. So first, I want to start out by saying, if you aren't already aware, that I consider myself an ally of the Black Lives Matter movement. I just want to say a little bit about that and why I consider myself an ally. I believe that people of color and particularly Black people in our country have been systemically oppressed marginalized, discriminated against for far too long. For Black people, it originates from the time of slavery hundreds of years ago. And in the current moment and context, a lot of the protests are related to police brutality. But in my personal belief and education and research, I've learned that this systemic oppression goes far beyond just our criminal justice system. It takes place in our education systems, health, housing. Um, people of color are typically disadvantaged across the board. And so my belief in Black Lives Matter and participation comes from a belief that all people, and especially those who are most marginalized in our communities, ought to be valued and have equal rights and equal opportunities. You probably know that I am a social worker. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And not only is this a personal belief that I have, but it's also a professional ethical requirement. As a social worker, there is a code of ethics. And one of our ethical principles is to challenge social injustice with and on behalf of vulnerable and oppressed individuals and groups of people. So that's a little bit about me, my beliefs related to Black Lives Matter, my personal and professional beliefs. And I know that I have people listening who fall on all sides of the political spectrum. So you may or may not agree with me, and that's fine. I would love to continue this conversation and have a dialogue. If you are open to it, you can always reach me at isabelandsandymiss.com. But I just want to let you know a little bit about where I'm coming from with this episode. Regardless of whether you agree with me or not, or especially if you disagree with me, I really hope that you continue to listen to today's episode. I interview Sandy Miss residents Crystal Jones Bacon and her 17-year-old daughter, Chloe Jones. And this is a story about a family. This is not some radical protesters, organizers who live and work in D.C. or in the Bay Area. These are folks, everyday folks who live in San Dimas and who are literally our neighbors. And so I hope that you go into this episode with an open heart and open mind and just hear what this family, this mother and daughter have to say about being black in our community and what the Black Lives Matter means to them in 2020. 
I first connected with Chloe after the first protest that took place in San Dimas. She was featured in the Daily Bulletin after she spoke at the protest. And through mutual connections, I was able to talk with Chloe over the phone. And eventually, I also met her mom, Crystal. And we started working together because we were all interested in supporting a resolution that my father-in-law, council member John Ebener, was going to present to the city council condemning the death of George Floyd. Now, before I go into the interview today, I just want to share a couple things that might help you for context. So some people I've heard say, well, the black community in San Dimas is so small, it's only three or 4%. Does this really matter here? Is this really an issue? Well, I want to draw your attention to the history of the San Gabriel Valley and particularly redlining. So this is something that I just learned. Redlining was a practice that limited where people of certain races or ethnic communities could live or purchase property. So in the San Gabriel Valley, redlining was very prominent and black communities could only live or buy property in certain sections. So in San Dimas, you might know of some historically black neighborhoods, and that is because of the practice of redlining. So when people say that there isn't really a large black community in San Dimas or in other neighboring cities in the San Gabriel Valley, I would like to challenge you and say that there's a reason for that. And that's because black people and other communities of color were systemically denied an opportunity to live in our communities. And so that's the first thing I want to put out there as far as the background of the black community in San Dimas. The other thing I want to shed light on is uh, while I'm talking with Chloe and Crystal, they bring up the idea of microaggressions and not everyone might know what that means. And so I just want to explain that a microaggression is a subtle or indirect statement or action that ends up being discriminatory. So for example, in the episode, Chloe talks about how people compliment her by saying she doesn't talk black or she doesn't act black. And the reason that is considered a microaggression is because the implication is that talking or acting black is a negative thing and that she is being recognized or praised for not acting black. And so you could see how saying something like that could be hurtful. Another example might be saying someone plays basketball like a girl. What they probably mean is that they're not that great at playing basketball. And so what you see here is just a total overall negative implication about a certain group of people. And microaggressions can be about any minority group. They can be directed towards Muslim Americans, people with disabilities, people in the LGBTQ community. Sometimes they come off as a joke, but as you just heard, that they could actually be very hurtful to the community that they are directed towards. All right, that is it from me on the background. And here is my interview with Crystal and Chloe. All right. Welcome, Crystal and Chloe, to Isabel and San Dimas. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having us. (laughs) Great. Well, before we get started, I always like to talk to my guests and just 
try to get to know you a little bit better and so that anyone listening can get to know you a little bit better. So, um, Crystal, why don't we start with you? Tell me a little bit about yourself. I actually grew up um, in Baldwin Park, so neighboring city, and went to school in Etiwanda. So I went to Ranch Cucamonga Schools. I lived there for a while, but I pretty much call uh, have called the San Gabriel Valley um, home for most of my life. We did, um, after I got married, We I actually moved out to the desert and then also to... South Carolina, um, because my husband at the time was military, and so we lived on military bases, and that's um, where Chloe started school. Mm -hmm. And then um, after that, we, you know, moved back home after my divorce and then um, came back to San Gabriel Valley and then basically just decided, you know, where did I want to raise the girls because I wasn't comfortable raising the girls in the South coming from California. And so we moved home. Uh, me and both of the girls and just basically decided, you know, where are we going to plant our roots? Where do we want to live? What schools do I want to send you guys to? And um, we started off in, like I said, we came back to Golden Park, started off um, at Sunrise Christian School. And then from there, um, as we were nearing eighth grade for Chloe, we kind of started to think like, you know, where do we want to live? What high school did we want to send her to? Um, originally, we were actually originally Chloe wanted to go to Webb, which mm -hmm. was her plan. And so I wanted her to go to St. Lucie's. <laughs> okay. She decided she wanted to go to public school. And here we are <laughs> in San Dimas because we wanted to go to San Dimas High School. Okay, cool. So you started here, you moved around a little bit and ended up back here in good old San Dimas. Exactly. No place like home, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chloe, and your mom kind of touched a little bit about, um, you know, where you grew up. But tell me from your perspective, uh, tell us about yourself. Um, so I'm, my name's Chloe, I'm 17. Uh, from as far as I can remember, because I was like, three, four, when we moved, I remember growing up in the South more than anything. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just how I see my childhood. And then we moved to Baldwin Park with my grandparents for a bit. I went to school there. It was interesting, to mm -hmm. say the least. Mm -hmm. It was, I liked it. I was there for two years. And then I went to Sunrise and I went there for four years, kind of just grew up in that environment, made a lot of friends there. And then like my mom said, as I started nearing eighth grade I wanted to go to web initially because I thought it was a really cool school mm -hmm. and then I was like oh I want to go here I want to go here and then I ended up <laughs> like mom was like yeah you're not going to either of those you're we already decided on San Dimas you're going to San Dimas <laughs> so I was like okay so then I've been at San Dimas high school for the past three years and I'm actually really glad I went there like I made a lot of friends who I plan on staying friends with for a long time mm-hmm well, that, yeah. that's what I was going to ask, because are you happy with your ultimate decision to go to San Dimas High? Ultimately, I am actually extremely happy with my decision to go to San Dimas High School. The decision to not go to Webb impacted my life so much because I would not be where I am today and I would not be advocating as I am. So, mm. so everything happens for a reason, huh? Yep. Basically. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about your involvement in the community. So uh, as we all know, our country is having a major reckoning right now. I, I think people have described it as a you know new civil rights movement ever since the death of George Floyd. And, um, you know, even though it happened 
thousands and thousands of miles from here. Even our small town of San Dimas has been affected. So um, tell me a little bit about how you both have been involved and, and what this current movement means to you right now. The current movement, it means a lot to me. I was kind of in shock almost when first you have the shooting Georgia and I would want to go there for college. And then you have George Floyd and you have Breonna Taylor. And so for a long time, I was just like, wow, like 2020 almost like you, you, we can't we can't get over our race issues. And mm-hmm. we're almost started. We started a new decade, basically. And we're still having major race issues. And so I was really in shock from that. And then my birthday which was on June 5th, when we had the big rally in San Dimas, I was turning 17. And it was also Rihanna Taylor's 27th birthday, which she didn't get to celebrate because she was already shot and murdered by then. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I really want to go to this protest. And I was like, come on, mom, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go forever. Because even though I had planned something that I wanted to do on my birthday, it wasn't like, we can do anything big. Yeah, we were still in quarantine. So I was like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> so then we finally did go to the protest. And while we were there, uh, I decided to speak. And this was something I had been thinking about since, like, I found out me and Brianna Taylor had the same birthday. Mm-hmm. She's literally just 10 years older than me. So I've been thinking about that. Like, what would I say if I did speak? Because I wanted to say something and I just didn't know how I would do it. So with us deciding to go to the protest, I was like, I'm going to use this specific platform to say something, which is what I did do. Mm-hmm. And from there, I got in contact with you, Councilman Ebner, got involved in all this stuff. And yeah. I mean, you're pretty brave. For seventeen year old to you know speak at at that protest, and I didn't know that part of the story that you were the one who dragged your family to go to the protest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been wanting to go to a protest for a while. I just I don't really do good in big crowds. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I panic. I wanted to go to the big ones in L.A., but I panic in big crowds, and so. A so, small one, I thought would be nice. Yeah. Well, and it, it was, I mean, from my experience, I don't think I went to that same protest that you went to, but I've been to a couple just here in San Dimas, and most of them are pretty small and family-friendly and just mm-hmm. feel generally um, safe, I think. They're not as crowded yeah. and crazy as the ones in L.A. Yes, definitely. So, Crystal, how, you know, so it sounds like Chloe dragged you to the protest. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, it's, it's interesting. I think that, um, it's, it's always, um, it's, it's a little, it's a little weird, a little hard, um, to kind of, I don't know, put it into words for me, I think, um, I'm half Mexican straight down the center. Mm -hmm. And so race for me has always been very different, I think, than a lot of people can understand. And, um, for me, like growing up in a Mexican family, there's, there was always like, you know, there were microaggressions, which I don't think people realize, like, I didn't even know that was a word, you know what I mean? So there were things that like, you notice things that are said. Um, but then also, you know, when I got married, and I married into 
into the military and you're in this, you know, super, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say, um, proud to be an American, but definitely like I really, patriotic. Am. yeah, patriotic, like patriotic, proud to be an American. Like that's who I am. Um, my grandparents actually immigrated to, um, the United States. And I remember when I was in fourth grade, when they were doing their naturalization. So for me and like for my family, like I, I love this country. And then it's always this like, um, torn, you know? And so when I got married and I went into, you know, such a strong patriotic community, like those are some of my closest friends and family and knowing, you know, we've sent even, you know, my grandfather was in three different wars, like all these different just aspects of military around us. I, it's always been this kind of like, well, you know what, that it is, it kind of is what it is, which is not a good mindset to have. And, um, and so I think that in raising the girls, it was always really big for us. Like, you know, respect is just a big thing all the time. But then at the same time, you still have to always, you know, be true to who you are. And I think about a lot of t- I think about a lot of times when the girls were very little, um, I, I led their Girl Scout troop with my best friend for years. And I remember having a teeny little kindergartner and teaching them like, instilling in them all the time. Little people can do big things, you know, like there's Mm -hmm. nothing in this world you can't do. And always just pushing my girls to talk. So I think that when all of this continually just kept happening and you see so many um, just senseless um, police brutality killings and just things that are going on in our nation and, and the civil unrest, it's, it's heavy, But then it's also, you know, like, I don't want to raise my kids. I I want them to be safe. Like, number one, I want them to be safe. I would, you know, I didn't have that, that tug and that pool to go out and actually go out to the big protest. Like, Chloe's like, let's go to the protest. I'm like, oh, you know, I've got work, can't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, in a sense, it was also my fear and my hesitation um, because a lot of the, I don't want to say the people that, I've surrounded myself with a lot of my people for so long have been on that, you know, the, the piece 100% patriotic all the time, no questions asked or, um, you know, conservative in a private Christian school. And it's, you know, I think for me alone, I never really, I, I almost had like, a, I don't want to say a double persona, but I had, you know, Crystal who is, um, out in public and, and maintains a quiet, calm, doesn't speak politics, doesn't speak race, just, um, politically correct all the time Mm -hmm. persona. And then also, you know, battling with being, Hey, I'm African-American. I'm raising African-American children in the United States. And this is what they're watching. And I think watching Chloe, the minute that she took that microphone and spoke her truth was kind of like, I mean, like a wake up call, like, Hey, your kids are watching and your kids understand and your kids know, and they just need to be, you know, we need to be backed and we need to be a family and we need to bring people along with us Mm -hmm. is. And I think that's kind of the stance that I've taken, um, with everything that's going on in our, um, current, you know, climate of the United States is just, um, yes, you may be, you know, a thousand percent patriotic. I am too. I love this country, but it doesn't mean that it can't be better. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you can be conservative. I'm very conservative too, but in that conservativeness, we still have to love our neighbors. And so that's kind of the stance that I've taken, I guess, a stance of, of grace and let's, 
let's learn and I'm willing to teach as opposed to maybe um, taking on a stance of maybe anger. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah. So, so that's where well, I am. Yeah, well, that, that's a lot. I mean, so it sounds to me like you, you know, when this first started happening, you weren't personally like ready to go out there and lead the charge on things. It, it actually took Chloe, you know, speaking out for you to kind of have that awakening. And maybe, I don't know, tell me if this sounds right or not, but it's, it sounds like you like have the, have or had this personal conflict that like to be patriotic and to protest at the same time kind of felt like it didn't feel like those two things could go hand in hand, that like that the people you're, you're surrounded yourself with your family, your friends, you know, there's that real patriotic side and that by protesting almost maybe felt like, I don't know, like abandoning that or betraying that. Absolutely. And I think that that was just something that, you know, I, I've had to not reckon with, but, you know, realize that I can love America and I can be proud to be, you know, a second generation American immigrant. I can be proud to, you know, have the lineage lineage that I have, even from, you know, African-American slaves. Like I, I tell the girls all the time, like, wow, what a blessing and what a privilege to even be here just because we know that for us to be walking and living in San Dimas today means that our bloodline survived slavery and Jim Crow and segregation and all these different things. Like, I love it. I am so proud of it. So it's, it's a, it's a push and a pull. It's a tug. It's a tug of war sometimes, but Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, well, I'm glad you brought that up. So the idea that, you know, someone's protesting, for a better America doesn't make you unpatriotic. In fact, you could be patriotic and love your country and want to see it improve and be better. Yes, exactly. And I love what you just said about, you know, I didn't even think about this, but that, you know, like you said, the fact that you and your family are here in San Dimas, you know, living your life is a testament to the resilience that your ancestors had, like you said, living through slavery, living through Jim Crow and that, um, you know, they survived, and that's why you're here with the opportunities that you have today. That's really amazing. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's crazy, you know. But then I, I just think like that's you know it's something that I got to tell. I I have to tell the girls at times like, dang, it's true. You know, when you overcome, I mean, I haven't been able to personally overcome that, but just to think like my life being here is you know just a testament to like what so many people in my ancestry and our line have overcome. Mm-hmm. And my thing is that, like, a lot of them, like, I mean, back in the day, black and white kids couldn't even be friends. And, like, I think about it sometimes, like, most of my best friends are white. And I, like, the city's 65% white. But I have friends who I see as, like, I love them as much as I love my mm-hmm. sister. And they're white. And I'm like, this is literally, like some people's dream because they yeah. couldn't even achieve it. Martin Luther King's dream, right? Yeah, that's his dream, that we would all be able to just hang out together, that I'm able to have the same education as my friends and to be able to go to the same schools as them, and that we're able to discuss these things that, like, oh, you want to go to the school? Oh, I want to go to the school, too. Oh, what if we end up going here together? Like, that never happened before, and so I'm able to, like, just achieve the dream of my family and just push it forward so that the next generation can achieve the dreams that I have. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's beautiful. Right. And I think, um, 
it just goes to show that we've come a long way in the past several hundred years and that, you know, we still have room to grow because otherwise we wouldn't be in the streets protesting and there wouldn't be this national reckoning. So we're kind of in this, I guess, middle spot where we've come a long way and, and there's also still work to be done. Exactly. So Chloe, I'm curious if you could share, because it sounds like um, you're a little bit more outspoken than your mom as evidenced by you going to the protest and taking that microphone. But can you tell me a little bit about what, you know, compelled you to do that or why, um, you know, why you felt so confident in speaking out at that event on your birthday? Um, yeah. So since I started at San Dimas, I kind of just become... I, for a long time, I was, like, I didn't know, like, I don't know if you understand this, but I didn't feel black. Like, I had a lot of microaggressions that I've been told because I'm so well-spoken is that I don't talk black, I don't act black. I've been getting all these things for years, so I didn't feel black. Like, I knew I was a black person, but I didn't feel like an actual black person. <laughs> and so when I got to San Dimas, I actually met a really good group of black people, and I was... We're still friends to this day, even though they're all so many years older than me. But they were able to help me be basically the way I explain is they made me feel secure in my blackness and that being black isn't monolithic and that we could just it doesn't matter what you act like. You could be super proper and be black and you could be speak broken English and still be black. It doesn't matter what you act like. You're still a black person because of that friendship and because of what they gave me. I became like more outspoken about it. And so my freshman year for my final presentation we had to do an argumentative uh, slideshow and presentation to our class and I did mine on racial bias in America mm-hmm. and so a lot of it was pinpointed on police brutality microaggressions what it's like to be black in America and a ton of like how music and media are taking it and what we can do to help fix it and all this stuff well I mean for for being a young person, it sounds like you have a lot of passion and you've done a lot of research and speaking on racial justice and, and probably more than a lot of adults, I would think. <laughs> more than me, for sure. <laughs> I yeah. feel like a lot of stuff I'm catching up and I'm like, Chloe, did you know? And she's like, how did you not know, mom? <laughs> so before I want, I do want to talk about, you know, your involvement in San Dimas particularly. But before we get to that, I mean, in just a couple sentences, can you kind of try to describe what the Black Lives Matter movement means to you or, you know, what you hope people take away from that? Maybe, you know, think about people who are listening to this who do or don't agree with with the Black Lives Matter movement. Is there something that you think that you could say to kind of try to explain what it what it means for you? I'll go first on this one. I think that uh, for me, the the one thing I guess that I take away from um, and try and help people understand is that the Black Lives Matter movement doesn't mean black is better. Um, It means black skin and black culture and black people matter. And when we think about it, matter is the absolute minimum, you know, like it should be, um, we're valued just as much as everybody else or we, and we contribute just as much as everybody else. So I think that that's the thing it's, you know, it, it has nothing to do with better. It, it means that at the minimum, 
we should be equal mm-hmm. to every every other race. But you, Chloe. Mm, so to me, I keep seeing this. It's just that Black Lives Matter also. Mm-hmm. I, the also should not need to be included. But what we're saying is that Black people also matter. Because in the way that when you look in history books and literature and just back in American society, Black people don't generally matter. We're there to contribute pieces of our culture. And when our culture is taken it ends up becoming appropriated and it's no longer ours. So what we're saying is that, yes, we matter and we do this and we contribute and we're just members of society. Mm-hmm. Well, and to me, you know, when I hear you talk about that, it, it's almost like a way of saying, you, you both kind of said this, that black lives matter, that black lives matter too, because with the way society has typically treated black people now and throughout history is sending an opposite message that black lives don't matter. And you're saying now, yes, they do matter also. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Is the point. So uh, we've talked about, you know, the big protests in LA and all around the country, but let's talk a little bit about, what has been happening in San Dimas. So you said, Chloe, you, you brought your family to the protest. You spoke on your birthday. Um, and then since then the city council was looking at adopting a resolution to condemn George Floyd's death and racism in San Dimas and, um, racial injustice. So Tell me a little bit more about how you both were involved in that and um, what happened. From me speaking at the protest, it actually got in the Daily Bulletin, which I was like, what? (laughs) And so from there, I had a lot of people who I know like reposting stuff about it on Instagram. I obviously posted the video on my Instagram as well so that I could share it with my friends and family who follow me. And so... From there, people started to reach out to me and I got in touch with other people and <laughs> joined a group to speak. I was able to just speak for the youth of San Dimas, the African-American youth from this city in particular. I met with Councilman Ebner over the phone to just explain the Black Lives Matter movement, what we're fighting for, the system systemic racism in short how it affects everybody not just the big cities how it can also be affecting people here in little San Dimas and Mm -hmm. how yeah and so when we worked with the resolution to denounce the George Floyd death and systemic racism I was able to speak and be like hey we should add this because I know this affects these people or hey maybe we shouldn't put this in there maybe Mm -hmm. and I was able to call into city council meetings I knocked on all the doors in my neighborhood to get support from our neighbors for the resolution so that they could send in emails um I met with the captain of the sheriffs for San Dimas and explained what I see and I'm not just seeing what I see what I hear and the things that I've experienced as a black person in San Dimas but like I said my experiences aren't the only ones that I want to represent because I'm not the only black student and kid in San Dimas 
I'm one of 3% in the high school. <laughs> and so I want to be able to be a voice for all of those who don't know what to say. And before the last city council meeting, my mom and I were able to actually plan a demonstration in front of City Hall in which I actually read the Constitution, not word for word, but I basically named what each amendment supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I was able to speak to Councilmember Vienna and explain, like, this is what why we're here. And I later went on the microphone and I said, this is what I specifically have been through. This is my life. And I explained, like, growing up in South Carolina, why my mom had us move here. And then from there, I explained what I've been through while being here. And, yeah, that's it. So, I mean, that's a lot. That's it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, in a very short time, you know, it seems like you got really active in our local community and our local government participating, talking to council members, the captain at the sheriff's station and uh, calling into meetings. I mean, I don't think most adults in our community have done those things. (laughs) I mean, I feel almost like a calling to do this. Like I've been wanting to do social justice work because I've been feeling something in me saying that like, you, you should do this. I just didn't know if I would be able to like face through like, oh my gosh, am I going to have a panic attack while I'm talking to people or something like that? And so this just, I was able to just go out there full send as my friends like to say, and just like whatever happens, happens. And I've had so much positive feedback from what I'm saying that I guess I don't really want to stop because I'm saying what needs to be said in a way that people want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you don't have to, but if you're comfortable, I'm wondering if there's a, a story or an example that you want to share, you know, from something that you told Mr. Vienna or something that you said at the protest that illustrates why this is so important to you and why you're, you feel called to do this work. Like, is there an experience that happened to you that really pushes you to do this? Yes, specifically in my sophomore history class, my friend and I were the only African-American students in that class, and we went through the entire school year, it felt like, with being told racist, homophobic, xenophobic, just any kind of insulting thing you can hear for at least once a day, and we would have our teacher hear it and when I'm talking to my friends about it like I'm like hey do you remember like anything I specifically said they'd be like no I just remember that our teacher would laugh at it I actually went to the school with that one in particular and I spoke to somebody in administration about it and nothing happened and like the thing about that particular instance is that I tried to go the correct paths to get it fixed and nothing happened and nothing happened until like I had to go talk to the kid myself because I personally hate confrontation. And so I was like, my friends were forcing me to go confront this kid because they said nothing's going to change unless you go and try and change it. And so that's what I had to do. I was told him that I needed him to stop. And it wasn't until a lot of people were like, hey, stop, 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 that he decided to stop. And so... I mean, that's a particular instance that I always remember because I don't think I'm ever going to forget that situation because it made such a huge impact on my life that year. 
but it also made a huge impact on my friends' lives because for a long time after that, I had people texting me or coming up to school, and these are people that I rarely talk to saying, thank you, or you did what needed to be done, or mm-hmm. you did something that I just haven't had the courage to do because I thought it was just happening to me and my friend when in all actuality, it happened. This kid in particular had said something to every black student in the school. Mm. And he just hit the point where I was tired of hearing it. So you were in, you had a personal experience where you were, well, racist comments and hateful comments were being directed towards you and you tried to address it with the school, nothing happened. And so you essentially addressed it yourself. You, you talked about it with the student and, and found that one, you were not only able to stick up for yourself, but you were able to stick up for all the other kids who were struggling with the same thing, but didn't, didn't address it before. And you actually helped resolve the issue. Is that right? From what I've heard this past school year, he doesn't really bug people as much anymore. But when it was directed toward me, it was mostly in the form of jokes or Mm -hmm. he would say something funny. Or there's this game that kids do where they pass around their friend's phone and it just goes around the whole classroom until it gets back to the person. So we're playing that game, right? I get the phone. I pass it to somebody else. I don't even go back to doing my work. And like they're like oh he gets his phone back he's like oh who had my phone and they're like naming off the people who touched it right and he goes my name comes up and he goes ew a black person had my phone and he throws it on the ground and i was like mm. oh my god wow i i didn't know what else to say mm-hmm. and <laughs> so, and and you said it you know might come off as a joke but it doesn't sound very funny yes uh there are certain not certain jokes you cannot say, but there are certain things that should not be said in general. Mm-hmm. And there are certain lines that do not need to be crossed. And I felt like all of them are crossed. And I personally, like, I can deal with a lot. It doesn't, It I can deal with a lot. But when it starts getting to other people who I'm close with and my friends, and I hear my friends are actually struggling with stuff, that's when I feel like, okay, I need to do something because yes, it doesn't hurt me, but it obviously hurts this person. And I care about this person. So what can I do to alleviate this thing for them? Because their pain hurts me more than what I go through. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing, Chloe. Um, Crystal, what about you? How did you get pulled into getting involved locally here in San Dimas? Watching my daughter and then, you know, like having this whole realization and watching and talking and, and hearing, and then kind of, um, taking a step back and, and looking through the lens of, you know, what has, um, Chloe and what has Christina, my other daughter, like, what have they seen me, um, in a sense portray to them? And it kind of became the the thing of, you know what, like if I've always uh, raised my my daughters to stand up for themselves and stand up for anybody who can't stand up for themselves. Why am I not doing the same? And then even further, like, why am I not doing it for them in a sense? Mm. Uh, and when it comes down to it, you know, it's, 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 um, it's a little bit hard. It's a little bit of a tricky situation because, um, you know, when this whole situation with Chloe happened, for example, 
I didn't find out for months. And generally we talk about everything. She generally comes home and we talk about, Oh, what happened at school today? But for whatever reason, this, I think something else had happened and this one just never got brought up and she wanted to handle it herself because you know, high schoolers, but um, (laughs) even the fact that she had gone to administration, like that's not something I never got a call. I never knew something happened. And I think like, you know, that's not okay. You know, if there's something to that severity, then that I should have been notified. Um, and so I think that kind of propelled me and because Chloe is still underage and she can't drive yet, I, I met everything with her really. And then it just kind of became, you know what, like this is not, and it shouldn't be her cause. It should be our cause. It should be our family's cause. It should be everybody's cause. In 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 essence, it should be everybody's cause because it affects everybody, not just black students, not just minority students. Because, you know, if, if you're a white or a Caucasian student and you're sitting in this class and you don't share the belief of what somebody else is saying, the student's still being exposed to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Nobody should have to be exposed to anything that's hateful or slanderous or um, xenophobic, homophobic, anything. And so I think that that's kind of where I I got involved with Chloe as well and just said, okay, fine. You know, I've never called into a city council meeting. I have now. I, you know, I met with Chloe and the... um, the sheriff's captain and and sheriff's lieutenant. And it's funny because I remember Chloe saying like, you don't let me do anything on my own. And I'm thinking like, you're 17, you're not an adult yet. You've got (laughs) got the rest of your life to do everything on your own, you know? Um, But I met with the mayor and, you know, I've had a phone call with um, Councilman Ebner. Like I've had these interactions, which it's so easy. Like I, I'm almost kicking myself in the butt for not making it a priority and seeing how important local government is um, to the bigger picture sooner. And I think that just, you know, calling into city council meetings and seeing what a resolution is and looking at the history of what, you know, resolutions San Dimas has passed before and what we do, I think it's, I mean, I love it. <laughs> I, I that like brings out my inner nerd, I guess you could say. Um, so I really do like it. Well, I think better late than never, right? You exactly. you figured out how yeah. to do it, and I think I think you're gonna keep doing it, huh? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, like talking on people's behalf, and I like researching like Black history because I never really learned that, and so to me, it's like oh, oh, this is so interesting. Or like, I like researching injustices, whether they're just in the black community or whether they're in immigration and all this stuff. To me, that is so interesting. And so that's the part that I find joy in, I guess. And I think it's, I enjoy a different part because like I said, the inner nerd in me comes out and I'm like, how can we fix this? You know, I'm in Enneagram A and I'm like, what can we do? Like, we're going to find a solution. I don't want to have to talk. Chloe can talk, but you know, like, I'll do all the back work. I'll give you all the research and you can just go present it. Even though she's like, no, I'm not doing that. I do my own research only, but it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's like we're a little tag team, but not really <laughs> a dynamic duo. Well, um, so Crystal, talk. let's talk a little bit about, you know, so you said that talking to our council members and calling into the meetings were a lot easier than you expected. So can for someone who's listening who doesn't really know what happened, can you talk a little bit about the process? So the city uh, was planning to adopt or was planning to talk about adopting a resolution about George Floyd's death. They had, uh, there was one meeting where it was brought up. 
and a bunch of people called in. Can Do you want to kind of tell the story of what happened? There was one meeting where it was the, the thought of a resolution um, was brought up and there was a lot of community support for it. The first city council meeting, there were so many people who really called in to just provide like just their stories of, hey, I'm a minority. I'm a person of color. Um, I'm, you know, a, not even just black people only. It was, you know, brown people, um, anybody who has had an interaction in our city. And so in the first one, we had so many calls and bombarded the city council, I guess you could say, um, with overwhelming support and requests for this resolution saying, hey, we want this. We, the constituents of San Dimas, we, the residents, we want this. This is something that we want to show that the city of San Dimas is not just not racist, that we are anti-racist. And we are going to take a stance and say, we firmly denounce and do not believe in these things. Mm -hmm. Then we had a special council meeting because of, I don't, Fully got it. I believe it was because the city manager is not allowed to get involved in anything political and felt that or this topic of drafting a resolution denouncing racism became a political topic, which I know that for me personally, it was really disappointing. Human rights issues are nowhere near political. And I think that that's something that often gets like lumped in, which is unfortunate because then it becomes, when something becomes political, we're all too aware it becomes right versus left, red versus blue, like, and everybody just, you know, jumps on a side as opposed to saying, hey, um, this is a nonpartisan issue. This is, this is a human rights issue. People mm -hmm. are losing their lives. Children who have no political affiliation are being affected. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that was, it was so disappointing to see that. Um, so from there, it, it came to the resolution, I guess, that um, there was a, a subcommittee that was drawn with um, Councilman Ebner and Weber to draft a resolution, hopefully a single resolution for the denouncing of racism and the denouncing of George Floyd's death. And that was going to be presented again the following week. In between that special meeting and the following um, city council member meeting when they would actually discuss it is when Chloe talks about, you know, like going out and talking with neighbors, knocking on people's doors and just people that, I mean, some people she's never met before. And speaking to that council meeting, that final council meeting, there were, I mean, over 60 emails in support of one of the resolutions which was drawn, there were so many callers, 20 plus callers that day. That was a Tuesday. So on Monday, Chloe and I um, decided to, like she said, organize a, a rally. I didn't even want to call it a protest. I kind of wanted to, we called it a rally because in today's climate, protest has such a negative connotation. And I thought, you know what, we're going to call this a rally. Like, we're going to call this a rally and we're going to rally around and support. Like, we're here to support something. And we're here to support this, um, one of the resolutions which had been brought um, forward by Councilman Ebner 
And then also to show a little bit of dissatisfaction and disappointment in the other two resolutions, specifically the removal of George Floyd's name from the resolution, which it's dehumanizing to have a name removed. And so that was kind of a really big thing. And it became kind of a tug of war of, well, you know, if we put his name in, then we're going to put other people's names in. And it's just takes away from it. And so that's kind of why, you know, we were, we organized that and were able to get, I think it was about a hundred people out in support of Councilmember Ebner's resolution um, to meet out at City Hall. And it was neat to meet people and to see like allies and people and, and talk and share stories. And it was only an hour and a half. It was an hour and a half to see council members as they were walking into City Hall since we can't actually be in the meetings. It's all virtual. And so just in like a vote of support and solidarity, it was it was awesome. It was so much hope, like seeing people rally and be have 100 people out there in less than 24 hours notice. Um, I mean, I can't get 100 people at birthday parties sometimes. (laughs) it, it, It gave me so much hope in the fact that there are still so many good people out there. I mean, to me, it was amazing that that you planned it so quickly. There was very short notice. You got 80 to 100 people out there and it was peaceful. There were families, there were young children. And like you said, it wasn't, it wasn't a protest as much as it was a rally to support, you know, the resolution that the community wanted to support. Exactly. Yeah. And um, do you want to talk about, you know, the the final result that happened? It was, it was disappointing. I guess I could talk about it now. It was a little disappointing. I think it took me a good three days of just silence, radio silence. Like I don't want to look at my phone. I don't want to really talk about it. The final result was that um, there were originally there was the um, two resolutions which came forth, one from Councilman Abner, one from Councilman Weber. And then there were similarities and there were differences. Um, the weekend prior to that meeting, Councilmember Vienna, unhappy with seeing what the other two resolutions came with, proposed one that was just insulting, um, was, was insulting is the word Chloe would use. Um, it was tough to read. And so those three were then on the table and... I mean, I don't even know what to call it. I feel like it was just the biggest bait and switch like under the under the sun I've ever seen happen. Um, we basically went from the mayor was not, you know, Mayor Bader was not going to vote. Brian Vienna was not going to vote. And then all of a sudden there was another draft of a resolution, which was still not what the community was asking for. And then all of a sudden everybody was voting and, you know, it, it was just, it was really disappointing. I, um, Councilman Ebner's resolution, which had so much community support in drafting, and I mean, the overwhelming community support um, in support of lost with a three to two vote. And then this, we'll call it fourth re- resolution, um, won on a four to one vote. It, it was just, astounding. Mm-hmm. To recap, I mean, so council member Ebner's resolution just had overwhelming support and that one lost. And then a fourth resolution that the community didn't really get to look at. They kind of talked yeah. about it briefly in the meeting. That's the one that passed. And, um, 
was disappointing to you and, and disappointing to me. And I think disappointing to a number of folks in the community yeah. who, who, um, who were part of the process. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So what are your takeaways from all this? <laughs> takeaways. Um, what did I like learn? What are my takeaways? Do I mean, you, one thing, understand? one thing you said was that it's a lot easier to talk to the council than you've realized before. I mean, I think that's an amazing takeaway for yes. sure. And I, yeah, I think that that's the number one take. Well, no, my number one takeaway is just um, understanding and knowing how much local government really affects what's happening in our cities. I feel that we all get caught up in the presidential race and, um, you know, the national and all of this and, and fail to recognize how much getting involved in our local politics and getting to know what, you know, what are, what are we going for? What are people, you know, fighting for in our city really affects different things. Um, And I think that that's like my number one takeaway is really just being more aware and like speaking, like when I've talked to people, I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, you can listen to, you know, here's the link. You can listen to what they're talking to live. You can call in, you can send them emails, you can send, you know, request to meet with them. The same thing with the school board. You know, I think that that's um, the biggest takeaway because I feel like I've always been a super involved parent, like in, in my kids' lives, you know, I've led Girl Scout troops. I've, created programs at schools. I volunteer like crazy. I'm on boards. Like I do everything. I do donut Fridays, you know, I I do all these things, but then I think that I was missing that last, the last part of actually going the further step to see what our school board is, is doing and getting involved with them or getting involved with the city council and and going that route as well. Mm -hmm. Kind of closing that circle. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that it, it's actually easier to get involved, and in. these are like you were saying; these are the issues that affect us on a day to day basis. Not necessarily yes. like the president isn't going to, you know, affect what happens in your neighborhood, but the city exactly. council might. Exactly, I think that that's what this has really taught me, um, and I think also just you know to. you know, I'm a mom, like it's hard sometimes. And I look at my kid and I'm just like, when did you grow up? I guess I have to kind of, kind of let you almost be an adult now. (laughs) Um, So that's a big takeaway for me. (laughs) That you raised such a a strong, uh, independent young woman who fights for justice. Yes. Yes. Now I have to go back and think about all those times she fought me on something and I got to think like, wait, was she right? Was I wrong? (laughs) I mean, she's pretty smart. She can make a good argument. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Chloe, what about you? What What were some of your takeaways or what did you learn um, through this process? I learned that kids my age should not be silent. Mm. Like we, we, actually, we have the option to stay silent or not. But I would say that high schoolers, middle schoolers, no matter what age you are, you need to speak your truth because as I've heard so much, people aren't generally swayed until they hear me speak, Mm. until they hear the reactions of what younger generations are going through. And I like to say that I'm a kid because I'm still a minor, but I'm also, I am a minor and I'm very well spoken. I'm also like at almost 18. So I'm almost an adult. 
but I'm still supposed to have some sort of childlike innocence, whether I'm 17 or not. And with all the stuff that has gone that I've gone through, whether it's been at the hands of society as a whole or specifically going through at school or in San Dimas, I have been forced to leave behind bits and pieces of my childhood innocence to become an adult way sooner than I should have been. And so I just want like kids my age to speak up more and speak their truth. And I also I learned that not everybody will agree with you mm-hmm. and not everybody will like you or <laughs> because I do speak so well and I generally have well-formulated arguments. I even if we're not debating something, I always win. <laughs> like, that's kind of the way I keep it. I'm very passionate about what I say. And so even if we're having, like, a Socratic seminar, which is supposed to be a peaceful talk, generally when I'm done talking, nobody says anything because I'm like, I won. <laughs> and so I've never not had somebody agree with me in the end, but, like, not agree with me to the point where they're just so vehemently opposed to what I have to say that they're just like, no, no, no. And so I learned that just like I learned that people are going to be just as, I don't want to say two-sided and fake, but like (laughs) it doesn't go away with age, I guess, that like people are always not going to be who they are, but you just got to be cognizant that just because somebody's acting a certain way doesn't mean that that's what they truly feel, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm I'm grateful that you both um have started to get involved and and know how to be involved now and yeah, and and not just the two of you, but I think other we saw that happen with other members of our community as well. And I hope that this continues because what happens here in our local government is really going to affect us on a day-to-day um in a day-to-day way and we're lucky to have you in our community to speak up and to use your voice and to be involved for, um, you know, making Sandy miss the best place that it can be to, to raise our kids and to have our families and to, you know, spend our time. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think we're equally grateful. Like I, you know, when I stop and think like, you know, we had some rough time like with Chloe in the high school and and I'm like, oh, my goodness, was this the worst decision I ever made? And then, you know, here I am now thinking there's nothing that I regret. Like I, you know, she's gotten a great education. I'm so grateful that it, it sounds weird, but that she has been able to experience what she's experienced while being home because we have the ability to attack this as a family and say, we're going to create a plan because not just you shouldn't, but nobody should have to deal with this. And we can make a difference together and not just, you know, send your kid off to college somewhere and then, you know, they're miserable and you don't know what's going on. So I, I mean, we love, we love Sandimas. We love it. And I think that I, I don't even have hope. Like I know that it's going to change and I know that it's going to get to where it needs to be. And I think just, you know, continuing for us to stay involved is, is what we got to do and getting more people. And along with like staying involved, I want to go away for college <laughs> and I really don't want to come back to San Dimas. <laughs> because of, like what I've been through, like, yes, that's a big factor, but I like just being out in the world. And so I don't really want to come back home somewhere where I've already been and that I know is safe. So I just want to like leave. So I think that I just want to make 
as much of a change as I can in the one year I have left because, I mean, it's July. I'll be gone, hopefully, this time next year. (laughs) So stop rubbing it in. (laughs) So, yeah, this time next year, I'll probably be either getting ready to go away to college or I'll visiting family and stuff like that. And so I just want to make as much of an impact and change as I can and just show, like, everybody coming up after me that like yeah you can do it too you can finish what I started you can start your own thing we just want a more inclusive society as a whole because it's not just one person's world anymore like as society has changed so have our mindsets and we're finally at the mindset and at the right time in history where if not even if we can get everybody on board we're at the point in history where Everybody deserves to be accepted, no matter who you like, no matter who you are, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your religion. You are a person and a human being, and we're at a point where pretty much most of society accepts it. And so now we just want to push this not only into St. Demas, but we're going to start in St. Demas that can affect outward and everywhere else so that this becomes a huge, not just a huge movement, but this becomes the final movement so that we don't have to have civil rights movements in the future, that this can be the last one. Because this is rough on me and it's rough on the kids growing up in this society. And so we don't we're not going to get rid of racism. It's always going to be there as long as there's prejudice, everything like that. There's always going to be racism. But if we can make a big push to try and make changes in society, then racism is going to be so diminished that it's almost thought of as a thing of the past. I, I think in it's like we all like you just saying, like at this point in, in where we are in society, it's just we need to come together as people, as family, as humans, as neighbors, as a community and decide what side of history we want to be on. And, you know, taking sometimes the road less traveled because that's what's going to make the difference to this community. And like Chloe said, to the communities around us. Because at this point, like I said, it's not a matter of when we're going to get the change. It's going to get be a matter of how we're going to get the change because it's coming, whether we like it or not. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, you two. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap this episode up? No, no. I know. I'd shout out like my mom, but she's she's already listening and I'm right here, so you can't shout me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Crystal and Chloe. This was awesome. I, I really appreciate you have having you on the show. And uh Chloe, maybe uh we'll uh work on that podcast together soon. <laughs> Thank you for having us, Isabel. Thank you for listening to my interview with the dynamic duo, Crystal Jones-Bacon and her daughter, Chloe Jones. So I'm interested to hear from you. What did you learn, if anything, from this episode? Did listening to Crystal and Chloe change your mind about anything? Did they open your eyes to something that you didn't realize was happening in San Dimas, feel free to keep the conversation going at isabelinsandimas.com slash BLM.
Also on my website, there are going to be a number of different links and resources for you. So uh, there's a link that I'm sharing from Diverse SGV about race and diversity in the San Gabriel Valley. I also have links to the different city council meetings. If you want to dive in a little bit more to uh, what happened here in San Dimas, there are videos from the June 9th, June 15th, and June 23rd council meetings. Uh, they're Some of them are quite long, but if you really want to get a nitty gritty understanding of what happened, uh, I encourage you to watch those videos. I also have a link to my last podcast episode, Why I Am Still Hopeful, that included my personal reflections on everything that took place with the uh, resolution regarding George Floyd. And then lastly, I included two daily bulletin articles. One was about the protest, the article through which I met Chloe. And the second one is the result of the final resolution that was adopted. So visit my website, keep the conversation going at isabelandsandemus.com slash BLM. Thank you as always for joining me today. I am Isabel and Sandemus. And before I go, I really want to encourage you to connect with one of your neighbors by sharing this episode. I think it's really important in this time to listen to each other, to listen to our neighbors. And what better way to do that than by sharing the voices that you heard today from Crystal and Chloe. So please, if you can, I would love for you to share this episode, send it via email, text, share on Facebook. And I'm sure Crystal and Chloe would appreciate that too. As always, you can find me at isabelandsandemons.com. Feel free to reach out and I look forward to chatting with you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.